Veronica has her sword, Tom has his laser, and I have my mind. And a mind needs books and this podcast as a sword needs a whetstone if it's to keep its edge. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to pledge support and sharpen your mind. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you authors, <laughs> news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. <laughs> what time is it? <laughs> it is 7.32 Pacific time. Okay. okay. What, what time is it in your brain? <laughs> no idea. No clue. No clue. Yeah. I've been in four time zones in, in the past seven days. Oh. Two of them in Europe. Yes. Yeah. It's it was that little delay in introducing yourself that made me realize <laughs> something was something was wrong here. Um, but you you're you'll be okay. You look fine. Yeah, thanks. That's yeah. awfully nice of you to say. Yeah. I, I it's the the first day will be pretty rough. I it took me two days to get back after after Ireland. Well, a week ago I was in Ireland. Mm -hmm. And then there's an hour difference between Ireland and France. Mm -hmm. And so I was in France until Sunday. Sunday, I was in California. And then I was in California Sunday, Monday. But then Tuesday morning, I flew to Austin, Texas (laughs) to do the night attack show. Yeah. And then I flew back from Austin, Texas this morning. So cool story, I know. But that's a lot of time zones. That is a lot of time zones. I like your shirt. Oh, thank you. Yes. Tom is wearing a a like a Pink Floyd riff on Star Trek. Is that right? This is a um yes, yes. Uh this is a Diesel Sweeties designed uh Will Wheaton imagined shirt. Oh, oh nice. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's Bought cool. it from Will's store. His Very cool. online store. I didn't, I didn't go to the store. No, he had an online or... store. Uh yeah. He he was selling these a while back and I was like, I'm getting that. That's very comfy too. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, I'm not drinking anything. I was earlier. I'm not now. I'm drinking water. A water. lot of water. It's important for you to stay hydrated in this yeah. time of, of, <laughs> of very multiple dry. time zones. <laughs> and all, all right. the flying and yeah. Not good for you. All right. Well, let's jump right into the quick burns. So, of course, since we last recorded... The Hugo Awards uh, were awarded, and uh, Ian uh, is on the beat for us. Uh, The Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation Long Form, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. The Hugo Award for Best Short Story, A Witch's Guide to Escape a Practical Compendium of Portal Fantasies by Alex Mm. E. Harrow. The Hugo Award for Best Novelette, If at First You Don't Succeed, Try, Try Again by Zen Cho. The Hugo Award for Best Novella goes to Artificial Condition by Martha Wells. And of course, the Hugo Award for Best Novel, The Calculating Stars by Mary Robinette Cole. Yay! We did not go to the Hugos, but we were very excited to see all of the winners hanging around with their their prizes in the days after. It was very cool. Um, So yeah, super exciting. Uh, I'm I'm really excited for for Mary Robinette, especially. I think that's that's great and and very well-deserved. Is this the first time we have read a book before it won a Hugo? No. No? I don't think so. No, because we're, the joke is that we read things and then they win. 
They get nominated, but do they? Yeah. Win? Yeah, I guess. I no, you're know. right. You're right. We we did. That's the joke. With NK. Well, but we read the first in the series of NK Jemison. Someone out there knows the answer to this. Mm. Mm. Yes. You know Somebody. who it is. It's Tassie Dave, the unofficial sword and laser <laughs> historian. Well, let's just make it official. The official sword and laser historian. Somewhere Tassie Dave is like, but, but no, no, it was, and this, and this happened. And then, and then that other thing. Yeah. Yep. We'll be reading done. that thread next week. Indeed. All right. And the retro, Ian says, 1944 Hugos were also announced. Best short story, King of the Gray Spaces, R is for Rocket by Ray Bradbury. Best novelette, Mimsy were the Borgoves. Borgoves. <laughs> Borgoves. Borogoves. I got no idea. Borogoves? 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 Yeah, whatever. Mimsy were the Borogoves by Louis Paget. Uh, best novella, The Little Prince by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. We saw a lot of copies of that in Paris. Oh, did you? Do you know how to say that? Because I don't. Oh, uh, Antoine no. de Saint-Exupéry. Exupéry? <laughs> And maybe best novel Conjure Wife by Fritz Lieber. Congratulations Gee. to our retro winners. Yes, uh, whoever, uh, whichever of them are still alive. Congratulations. Are they, are they going backwards, right? From the first Hugo's? So we're like next year will be the retro 40, 1943 ones. Is that right? I think that's how this is working. Like they go back think, a year. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. So was last year the 1945 Hugos? Retro well, because remember, Hugos? Slan won. Slan won, yeah. and that was 47. So yeah, they're going backwards. Okay. I, okay. I I like that because then they don't have to decide when science fiction begins. They'll just keep doing this every year until they run out of books. So they're like, yeah, there's nothing to add this year. We're done. But couldn't they go forward in time because things will continue to be retro as time goes on? But then eventually we'll butt up against the actual Hugos. <laughs> well, that's no, right. that's what they did. They they went they started with the the year before the first Hugos. Okay. Okay. That's why they're retro. Because they're retroactive. I, I not get, retro. I, I, I get it. Not retro like retro cool. Oh, I I guess I didn't get it. <laughs> I guess I was wrong. <laughs> I didn't actually get it. <laughs> uh but you know who does get it trp uh mm -hmm. says well maybe trp doesn't get it i realized that this is not really the place to mention theater productions true but given the importance of the author to this community i thought mm. i'd mention it oh okay making a case mm -hmm. the lyric theater hammersmith in london is putting on an adaptation of solaris by stanislav lem in october it's adapted by leading British slash Scottish playwright David Grigg and arrives after previous visits to Edinburgh and Melbourne, Australia. The cast includes a certain Hugo Weaving. Yes, that Hugo Weaving. So As very opposed certain. to other Hugo Weavings? <laughs> I like how he says, uh, a certain Hugo Weaving. Yes, that Hugo Weaving. <laughs> so very, very certain. I know yes. this is uh, only of limited availability to people who can get to London in October, but I'm definitely not going to lem this play. In fact, I'm going on the 15th October. Well, TRP, send us a uh, review after you've seen yeah, this. This is great. Absolutely. Yeah, I would I would love to read. That uh, was my great regret that I didn't pick Solaris instead of Memoirs in a bathtub. Do you think about that? Is that something you think about? I did when I read this post. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. So it's not something that's been like plaguing about you for 10 years. I don't lay okay. awake at night most times thinking about it, but it's, I'm it's, glad it's occurred. Yeah. I, I actually, I'm glad you didn't because if you hadn't, then we wouldn't have the, the concept of two limb. We wouldn't have I think uh, is, Lem the dragon. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, things happen for a reason, Tom. Things Everything happen happens for a, for a reason in this best of all possible worlds. Yeah. Is Voltaire considered science fiction? I don't know. Candide? Sure. Give me your Candide opinion. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dara says, to appease the robberator who hates fun <laughs> and occasional silliness, major book publishers sue Amazon's Audible over new speech-to-text feature. It says, publishers are taking issue with Audible's new captions feature introduced last month. The feature uses machine learning to transcribe spoken words into written ones so users can read along while they listen to an audiobook. The issue, however, is that Audible is doing this based on audiobook recordings, which have separate licenses to physical books and ebooks. The company is not apparently obtaining the necessary licenses to reproduce the written versions of these works. The lawsuit was filed by the Big Five publishers, Hachette, HarperCollins, Macmillan, Penguin Random House, and Simon & Schuster, along with Chronicle Books and Scholastic. First of all, okay. I suppose we should have given some context on why Dara's laying into the robberator. Uh, they were having a fun uh, uh, a bit of, uh, they were having a bit of fun in the thread before this one, and the robberator kind of stepped in and was like, come on, back to the quick burns, people. Uh, (laughs) cracking the whip (laughs) yeah yeah uh so it was all meant in good fun uh that she was teasing rob raider uh but then yeah this audible thing i mean it harkens back to when amazon which owns audible uh was doing an accessibility feature on the kindle that uh that i believe we both covered on buzz out loud uh where the kindle could read the text right it was just text to speech Mm -hmm. and the publishers complained to Amazon saying that's an audiobook and you don't have an audiobook license to do that. And Amazon ended up backing down on that and saying, okay, well, we'll let publishers decide if they want to allow that feature or not. So sometimes you can buy an ebook and it'll allow you to play it, uh, but other times you can't because Amazon gave publishers that right. Uh, sounds like they're being a, a little more hardcore about Audible because they are claiming that. It is a transcription of a spoken word performance, which is essentially a new work. That's mm-hmm. going to be their legal argument here. And therefore, that's going to be Amazon's legal. Well, Audible's, yeah, but Audible's, yeah. Amazon yeah. owned Audible. I don't know if it's a new set of lawyers or not, but yeah. Uh, and and it, it is this sad thing where copyright law is not written with these kinds of situations in mind. So, you have greed and accessibility on all sides Mm -hmm, (laughs) uh, mm -hmm. competing for what should happen. Because from an accessibility point of view, you absolutely should be able to take an audio book and transcribe it so that someone who can't hear can, can see it. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But from a purely intellectual property point of view, uh, transcribing an audiobook into written form really is sounds quite a bit like just making the ebook. Right. Right. Yeah. The way this is written is a little bit confusing because they say the feature uses machine learning to transcribe spoken words into written ones. And yeah. doing this is based on audiobook recordings. That's right. So 
That's not confusing. Separate that's, licenses that's what they're doing. Physical books and eBooks. Okay, but they're taking they're taking the audiobook. They're audible, so they're taking the audiobook recordings and transcribing them. Right. The transcription is based on the audiobook. Yes. It's see the part that I think is confusing is that if they were saying that the transcription was based on the eBook, which would be an existing work, right? Versus the audiobook recording, which would be could very potentially be a new recording. You're not confused at all. <laughs> In I'm fact, exactly right. That's the crux of this whole argument, which is the publishers are saying, look, the audiobook is someone reading the ebook. So when you transcribe it back into an ebook, it's the same book, right? Now, granted, you're right, the audiobook could be a different version. It is sometimes. And in those cases, maybe they're not worried about it but this is that there are plenty of cases where they're exactly the same right so that's where the publishers are like no that's basically doing the same thing and audible's saying what you were implying which is yeah but (laughs) it's a machine transcribing software like dragon dictation or any accessibility software that's no different than the amazon ebooks being yeah that's what i'm saying speech yeah so why did they why do they allow other pieces of software to do that but not amazon to do that yeah i mean that there you go that i mean you're yes that is that is the fight right which is like yes uh from an accessibility point of view it really is just doing what accessibility software does right and And it should be fair use from an intellectual property point of view no it's not fair use it's probably I say not a fair, fair use, use when I never well, mean fair use. This is how I learned to argue in Tom's world. I would just like go on a podcast and say <laughs> fair use, fair use, and, and Tom would like. And then suddenly not I would use. be citing all four factors. Well, it's not undermining it, it. It could. It's all up to a judge. That that that's really what it comes down to. Because I guess you could make a fair use argument to say this is not going to undermine the market for the ebook. If somebody wants the ebook, right. they're not going to buy the audiobook. And then, and then transcribe tra- it. If, if you yeah. are a deaf person, you're yeah. not going to, or a hearing impaired person, you're not going to buy the audiobook and then transcribe it. You're just going to buy the ebook. Well, maybe that oh. you've just made the publisher's argument. Shoot, yes, you're right. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like there, it 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 feels like there should be an obvious answer depending on how you approach Damn it, this. Belmont. But once you start approaching it from both angles, they're both right. All right. Well, let's move on yeah. because this is not a fair it's use pretty... podcast. <laughs> you, can use our, our, you can use our, our conversation in, in news articles and that would be fair use because it would yeah, be newsworthy. Yeah, we have a Creative Commons license too, so we make it also, easy. Also, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Shad pointed out that Stormlight Archive 4 from Brandon Sanderson is now 50% done and there's an update from Brandon on Tor.com or there's an update about it on Tor.com, I should say. Very cool. And Mark says, the astounding award for best new writer is the new name for the John W. Campbell mm. Award for best new writer. This is a, I feel like this is a really good solution to this problem. Yes. Um, we didn't put any of the backstory into this. And a lot of this kind of happened after <laughs> we had left, <laughs> left Worldcon. Um, but the, the, I guess I should talk about this article there was a lot of conversation happening around the um around the hugos and this is not linking to the speech that was given at the hugos that is how i learned about it 
um, from one of the award winners. Don't let, let's not throw Mark under the bus. Mark just pointed out that they changed the name uh, and he was being okay. nice and putting it in quick burn. So the fact that he didn't include all the backstories, not on oh, him. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about Mark. I'm talking about the blog post that he linked to. Ah, okay. Um, yeah. So uh, let, let, let's, appro- let's approach this. <laughs> let's approach this this way. The uh, John W. Campbell Award for Best New Writer is given alongside the Hugos. It is not part of the Hugos. It is named after John W. Campbell, who was an editor at Astounding Science Fiction, uh, where many of the foremost groundbreaking writers uh, of the early days of mid-20th century science fiction got their break. And so that's why Best New Writer was named after Campbell because people felt, oh, Campbell at Astounding uh, gave all these writers a break. uh, And so it's emblematic of giving new writers a break. The problem is John W. Campbell held very controversial and problematic opinions. And a recent winner, this is the speech you're talking about, pointed out that John W. Campbell himself probably wouldn't have given her the award for best new writer of science fiction. Okay, I got it. So the the author who won the award this year, Jeanette Ng, she gave this incredible speech and Scalzi talks about it over on his whatever blog. Um, but that's where I had initially heard about it was because she was essentially saying that he was a problematic figure. Um, and I'll let her, you know, you you can read the actual speech. Uh, Scalzi links to it. Um, but it was, that that's how I heard about this whole thing. So I'm, I'm glad it's, it's, it's pretty amazing that they actually took the steps to to change it so quickly. Um, so I'm that makes me happy. Well, you say quickly. <laughs> this is not new. People have been quickly concerned yeah. about this oh, for years. Really? But but I I I believe that Jeanette's speech sort of finally was the push <laughs> that said, let's really address this finally. And and because because people have been pointing out that Campbell was problematic for a long time and how un comfortable it was for some people to have his name attached to the award. Uh, so calling it the astounding award, I think is fantastic because it says, listen, the point of giving this was to honor the people who did get breaks and they got their breaks through astounding. So it's still doing that, but it's not accidentally honoring problematic opinions and making people feel like they don't want to accept the award because it's named after someone that they don't respect. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an elegant solution to me. Also just naming an award astounding, pretty great award, man. I just won the astounding best new writer. Like how awesome is that? (laughs) It's a good solution. Um, all right. Well now it is time for barrier sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Uh, R. Marpole says, shout out to Sword and Laser, listening to this epic SFF podcast, lend me to Brian T. McClellan's Uncanny Collateral, which I really enjoyed and reviewed over on Fantasy Faction. If you want the latest SFF news and you need the Sword and Laser in your life, thank you. Aw, thanks. Thanks. That's very nice. I'm glad you found a a new book that you like. We agree. You do. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, and Brian, Brian, uh, he he wanted to talk about it with us so that things like this would happen. So yay, everybody wins. Uh, and then Scott Pantal says, "Certain laser." By the time I got to the end of episode three sixty one, I'd forgotten that Veronica had promised to share the astronaut space pee song, and I was very confused about what my podcast app was doing. Thanks for the laugh. 
And I have to give credit where credit is due. I forgot to tell Jim about the podcast. I mean, about the PP song and he remembered and edited it into the show. So thank you, Jim. Yeah. Jim should win an award every week when we do a show. Yes. Agreed. Veronica asked for some what to read next suggestions on Twitter. And here are some good ones. (laughs) We're good at podcasting. (laughs) Uh, At Hoopmanja says, Far future neo-Victorian space pirates. And then went on to recommend Alistair Reynolds' Revenger and Shadow Captain books. Wade uh, Bryaner says, after recommending V.E. Schwab, well, she's basically written nothing but masterpieces, so anything you haven't yet read gets my highest recommendation. Uh, we saw her read at Worldcon. That was really great. We sure did. Uh, Keith D. Dale says, have you read Kings of the Wild by Nicholas Eames? It's fantastic. I have not. I will check it out. And all of my hopes <laughs> say... I want to conjugate properly. All of my hopes, the Twitter account says, Elizabeth Mm -hmm. Vane's codename Verity and Jonathan L. Howard's Johann's Cabal the Necromancer are my two go-to recommendations. Also, anything by N.K. Jemisin, but I think you've got that covered. Indeed. Thank you so much for all the recommendations. You definitely added a few more entries onto my to-be-read list. Let's keep this going, especially on Twitter. Uh, I, I think it was Terp Kristen who uh, was real happy in the thread for the Worldcon episode that we got all those suggestions from people in the audience. So I, I, I liked that, too. Let's keep it going. Absolutely. And speaking of books, it is time for our book of the month discussion. Um, Tom, do you want to kick it off with your book pick for uh, September? Yeah. Uh, Rebecca Roanhorse's Trail of Lightning. Uh, remember, I interviewed her at the Nebula Awards, uh, and and we'll have a link to that in the show notes if you, if you want to check that out. Um, but Trail of Lightning is the first in the Sixth World series, came out last year. The second book just came out earlier this year, April 23rd, so you're not even far behind if you want to do the series. Uh, but it's about a supernatural disaster that has destroyed most of North America, Uh, but Navajo monster slayer Maggie Hosker is navigating a world of monsters and gods because the former Navajo reservation in the Southwest U.S. uh, is survived the supernatural disaster quite well. Uh, So this is, this is a, a different take, different setting, different science fiction world, um, it's, it's kind of a fantasy world, to be honest, I'm cheating by mm-hmm. picking this, but it got nominated for a Hugo science fiction award. So I'm going to take it. Um, and I, I think that, uh, it, it'll be interesting to explore as a different perspective. Now, at the same time, uh, the Dinata, which is, uh, the, the, uh, one of the, the names that the Navajo, call themselves uh the dinner writers collective has criticized the novel as cultural appropriation i asked rebecca about that when we interviewed her um particularly just you know about how how do you make sure you're careful about representation how do you how do you make sure that when you're writing about something that you're close to because uh rebecca roanhorse is of uh okay oenge pueblo and african-american heritage so uh she's not navajo but she does have some native american heritage and and she's um and she's using that experience to inform this work 
how do you make sure that you you don't get those those criticisms and even even though she did how did how did she deal with that so that's that's something to think about when when reading this because there is a question of can you write about someone else's culture and and you may think well yeah but she's native american but that's not the same thing right and mm-hmm. and i don't know there's there's something fascinating about that because i think I think she should be able to do this. And I think she had very good answers in our interview about how to do it right. There's a wrong way to do it and there's a right way to do it. And the right way to Mm -hmm. do it, you should listen to her answer because it'll be better than my summation, but essentially means, you know, talking to people uh, and, 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 you know, getting, getting informed uh, and, and being able to do that. Because if you couldn't do that, we'd all be very limited in what characters we could put in our books. Exactly. Um, I think we should put a link to that interview back in the show notes too, just so people have easy access to it. Uh, yeah, but I think that would be a great, what, yeah, that's what in. I promised I would do. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and we, we, uh, I'm excited to read this one. I think a lot of people, uh, have talked to me about this book and, and said they really enjoyed it. And obviously it's gotten a lot of accolades. Uh, so I think it's going to be a good one for us. It's also, it's a little on the shorter side too. So, um, that was when we had our sword and laser meet up the other day. Uh, I think it was Robert, was commenting that it was a little bit exciting to have a shorter pick because there's so many good books out there right now. So you can kind of like stack up for the month and read as much as you can. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Get a little wiggle room. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's always nice too, but I'm excited. Uh, Good pick. Well, thanks. I do my best. Even if it is kind of more of a fantasy novel, but I'm just going to let that slide. You can pick a science fiction one. I, you know, it's starting to feel like, at this point, like I know 10 years ago, it was, I've got the sci-fi and you've got the mm. fantasy. But at this point, I feel like the, our lines have blurred somewhat. No, I agree. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's, I think we have achieved our goal. So I guess we should just stop doing the podcast. <laughs> I guess we're done. I guess you're right. Yeah. Well, folks, we'll leave it up to you. If we want us to stop, <laughs> email feedback us. at swordandlaser.com. Uh, let's do, I mean, we, we, I think we covered the poppy war pretty, pretty, uh, conclusively in the last Mm -hmm. episode. Um, but we didn't do full spoilers. So I just wanted to get final thoughts on the poppy war. I've got my thing that I, I didn't really get a chance to say. We didn't really talk about the ending. Um, so let's just do that pretty quickly. So if you haven't finished the poppy war, if you don't want to get spoiled, now is the time to move on to another podcast that you love. We can add in some recommendations in the show notes. Just kidding. Um, don't listen to any other podcast. Just kidding. Uh, you can listen to Reading Envy. Just kidding. You can you can also listening listen to uh, um, Reading Glasses. Also, um, mm-hmm. what else? What else can they listen to? Uh, uh, reading Daily Glasses. Tech News Show. I guess yeah. I said that one already. Yeah, that's that. Well, that's oh, the only our, one. You should w- listen to the Hugo Award winning "Our Opinions Are Correct." Oh, that's a good one with Charlie yeah. Jane and and Annalie. Congratulations to them. We didn't say the 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 fan cast winner when we mentioned the Hugos earlier. So Yay, congrats. Yeah, we should. Absolutely. Um, all right. So Poppy War. Yeah, Ren was kind of an anti-hero. She she at the end there, I mean, there were a lot of times in that book when I thought this is a very unusual book in that the main character is making a lot of decisions that I definitely do not agree with and feel very good about. Um which I just don't feel like that happens very often uh, these days. Uh, but she was, yeah, she she made some tough calls. 
and some decisions I definitely disagreed with and is now having to figure out how to deal with the consequences of, of wiping out an entire island nation. I I see why you want to call her an anti-hero because there are certainly problems with that. <laughs> Wiping yeah. out a whole island. Not going to try to defend that. Uh, but I consider an anti-hero to be, I don't, I don't know, like someone who is definitely bad. And I think she's more complex than that. I I think that's what's so good about this story is that even though she has done things that you can look at in isolation and say, that is bad. I don't think she's bad. I think the story does a great job of helping you understand why she did it and also helping you understand that it's not that she's turned evil. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like she's gone Anakin Skywalker and now she's Darth Vader. She's still her. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers for Star Wars. Sorry. <laughs> uh, she she's still her, uh, and 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 everything fits her character and who she was. And you you're cr- you're crying out, like you said, to be like, don't make that decision. Ah, that's a horrible decision. But she also still makes good decisions, and she also still feels regret. And I feel like because we know this is a series. That the end of the if this was the end of the book and you just didn't know if RF Quang was ever going to revisit this world again, then yeah, you kind of have to be like, well, she ended up bad. But I definitely feel like this is not the last word on on where she's going, and we're we're headed mm-hmm. for a redemption arc. So it's not that antihero is is not applicable, but I feel like that's not the that's not the end of it. There's there's more to come, I guess. Okay. I can you know I can saying? get behind that. I do, I do, I do, I do know what you're saying. You picking up what I'm throwing down? I am. I shouldn't throw I am. it. I'm sorry. I should have. Don't throw it. things. Yeah, it's, it's not, not. It's rude. Inside voices. I apologize. Um, so yeah, I I really enjoyed it though. I thought it was a great book, and I liked that she. There were so many good characters like uh, Kite. Mm. Kite um, was well, and, was just, and other characters also flip, right? Yeah, like the character who sh- who is purely evil in the school ends up being Nesra, like a war Nes- buddy. Yeah, that yeah. scene, that scene where they fight at the school back to back. Speaking of Star Wars, really yeah. reminded me of that scene with Kylo Ren and Rey fighting back to back against the those in, uh, um, spoilers. Those Sith, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's maybe that's maybe a little. A little more true. Um, that felt like that, like that yeah, kind of like really triumphant uh, coming together kind of scene mm-hmm. uh, and how he kind of changes as a person. You get to see who he was. And he was like, yeah, well, you kicked me in the balls when we first met. Of course I hated you. Like, what would you expect? That we were going to be best friends? And yeah. she's like, all right, that makes sense. Fair enough. That's fair. Um, and yeah, the 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 characters were were, were pretty great, and it, it really did flip pretty hardcore from this is a a school type setting, like this is your training montage of mm-hmm. life, and then you get into oh this is this is hardcore war. This is you're taking the training wheels off, and you are getting into it. Uh, one thing that uh, is is mentioned and cited in the Wikipedia article for the Poppy War is that Quang has said that she has modeled Rin's life on Mao Zedong. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so that puts a whole new spin on my redemption arc uh, theory. We'll see where she goes with that. <laughs> That's kind of amazing. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, overall, uh, I'm trying to find a, a list of the characters because I, I read it a couple of weeks ago and now I want to make sure I've got all the names, but I can't find anything off the top of, of the internet searches here. Um, but what was her, her teacher's name who was so great? Um, who turned out to be the gatekeeper. Um, no, going to drive me nuts. Okay. I'm doing an, an interview search very quickly. <laughs> interview search? Ugh, internet search. Okay. I got this. See, nope, what I, I would have done this. in that situation would have faked, would have been to fake it and just say what I love about her teacher who defends them. <laughs> and Jia- then just Jiang. Jiang. Yeah. Is that his name? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jiang. Yeah, he was he was great. Although when we were talking about him in book club, um, people were a little frustrated because they said he he's the gatekeeper. He knows he he knows so much. He he could have been training people all along, but yet he he feels like he has to pick. I guess because you know if you if you try to train them to be shamans, a lot of them lose their minds, go crazy. Um, but then you have the psych who obviously like are able to maintain for a little while, but then eventually they lose themselves too and have to be locked away into the mountain. Um, but it felt like almost he wasn't out there enough trying to prevent this from happening in some way. See, I don't know if I buy that because everything you just said is why he wasn't training mm -hmm. more people, right? Like he was trying to prevent this from happening by not training people he thought would lose their mind. And then he made kind of a bad bet with Rin. Yeah. And and uh, and the other fella. In fact, what happens with Rin is sort of proof that he shouldn't have been out there doing this at all with anyone. An Alton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An Alton. Right. Um, so that was, yeah, hard, hard to hard to pick people who aren't going to lose it once you give them that ultimate power, I guess. I feel like, Tom, you could maintain it. You're pretty level headed. Oh, I, I put on that appearance, don't I? <laughs> yeah, but you're power hungry. Is that really at the core of who you are? I'm extremely unbalanced. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, thank you for reading along with us, everybody. Uh, please pick up Trail of Lightning. It's actually a Kindle Unlimited pick. Oh, nice. Um, so if you're a Kindle Unlimited member, you can grab that for free um, or as part of your Kindle Unlimited subscription. Uh, But thanks for listening. And of course, our show is entirely funded by our patrons. Thank you so much to everyone who backs the show. You can learn more over at patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email, feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussion happens over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. We'll see you next time. Bye. Goodbye. about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.